Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13, called The Mystery of the Church. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13, the mystery of Christ and the mystery of the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word now as we turn our attention to your holy word. Thank you for the church. We're going to look at a text tonight that is really mind-blowing in so many ways because it tells us that there's a bigger audience than we ever could have imagined that is watching the body of Christ. And you have decided through a group of people on this planet, the redeemed of God, Jew and Gentile, coming together in the body to be your grace and truth on display. We are the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And you tell us in this text that the world will know about your truth and even angels will know by the way that we live by the way that we love and by the way that we hold up that truth. So tonight, Father, as we look at this majestic passage, we always want to ask for your leading. We ask for the direction of your Holy Spirit. Father, we ask for soft hearts as well because we want to be pliable in your hands. We don't want to just read about uh, what happened in the past or the great plan for the church. We want to be part of that plan. And we are if we're Christians tonight, but we want to walk in the good works that you've prepared for us. So bless our time together, Father. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Speak to us and let us have ears to hear what the Spirit says to your church. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let me tell you about a big secret. A big secret that was once concealed and now revealed. And the big secret is that God has decided to bless a church by bringing Jew and Gentile together. Have you ever had somebody approach you with that kind of language? I want to let you in on a big secret, right? Usually those are major letdowns. Or you might have to say to somebody, you know what, I don't want to hear that gossip, you know, that kind of thing. But this is a big secret, once concealed, now revealed. And here's the secret. Paul's been talking about it. The secret is the church, the new community of the redeemed, Jew and Gentile, a sacred secret now revealed. Jesus said of his church in Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock I will build my church, he will build it, it is his church, and the gates of Hades, and gates were for defensive purposes, shall not overpower it. Sometimes when we think of the gates of Hades, we think that we have to put up some defense against the gates, but gates in ancient Uh, cities were actually for defensive purposes. And if you go back to the area where Jesus preached this at Caesarea Philippi, there are actually cutouts in the uh, rock area in this particular area of the world, uh, up in the northern part of Israel, and they were called gates. And they were gates that led into, in in a cultic view, into Hades. And Jesus said, upon this rock will I build my church. And I think there's really good evidence that Jesus was talking about a place called the Rock of the Gods. It was a place where there were little figurines in these cut-out windows. You can see them today. I've got pictures of them. I've stood there and looked at it. 
And they were gates that entered into this place called Hades. And the God of the underworld, Hades, controlled this area. He was the God of the dead. And Jesus said upon, and it was one of the worst uh, places known for ritual, uh, just, just terrible kinds of based immorality and false worship. And Jesus said, upon this rock will I build my church. And I think at least an additional meaning that Jesus was speaking there is on the rock of false religion, on the rock of the so-called false gods, I will build my church right there. And the gates of Hades won't be able to overpower it. And I believe that there's solid biblical interpretation here that the gates of Hades means we will be able to storm those gates and they won't stop the church. We spend a lot of time in the church on defense. It's about time we went on offense. You know what I'm saying? It's about time that we looked at what Jesus said, that the gates of Hades will not overpower his church. He's going to build it, but we have a part to play. And Paul talked about himself as a wise master builder. He said, I laid a foundation, but another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. Christ will build his church, but he also gives the ability for his church to be part of it. And if you put your hat in the ring, you can be a wise master builder. You can go into different places and you can lay the only foundation which can be laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. That's the foundation of everything. And this is what Paul is saying. This has to do with our identity in Christ. We are, uh, there were several things we looked at in chapter 2. Let's get back to verse 19, chapter 2 with me. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. That was number one. You are, you are of God's household or God's family. That's number two. And we've been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We talked about the doctrine that was given to them about Christ Jesus. And he himself is the cornerstone. We talked about that most important stone from which the rest of the building was aligned. Everything had be, to be lined up to it. 21 in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. So we have the picture of citizenship, familial, uh, we're part of God's household, and we are God's holy temple, and in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit, or you are the temple of the living God. And so when people witness the church, what they see is a God building. I'm not talking about a physical building, I'm talking about what they see is that God is certainly among these people. He dwells with his people. So that when people interact with the people of God, that should be what resonates with their souls. There's something different. There's a, there's a light in their eyes. There's something about these people that's different. And when they come together, there is a beautiful uh, truth on display. The word church is ekklesia in Greek, and it means literally the called out the called out people, called out of darkness, called into his marvelous light, and nobody knew that better than the Apostle Paul, who was once Saul, an enemy of the church. He's our author. As he writes, this is Ephesians 3, verse 1, he writes from prison. Best estimate that I've read is he's been in prison for five years at this point. On Sunday, I mentioned Pastor Saeed, who I think is a resident of Idaho. He's been in an Iranian jail for over 300 days brutally tortured, was not given medical attention for internal uh, injuries that he suffered at the hands in this terrible prison. 300 days is a little less than a year. He, he was terribly treated. He has been terribly treated. 
from the evidence that I've got in reading on Paul at this point in his ministry, he's been in prison for five years. Here's what he says. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, notice, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now Paul did not say I'm a prisoner of the Jews. He did not say I'm a prisoner of Rome or a prisoner of Nero. He said I am a prisoner of, notice in your Bible, a captive of Christ. There's a lot of people in prison today. Oh, they're not in physical prisons. I'm talking about prisons of their own making. I'm talking about the prison of sin. I'm talking about, you know, you can be, Paul was in a prison even when he was free, when he was religiously zealous for the traditions that he held to, but yet he was, he was empty and he was imprisoned. And now he's become a literal prisoner, but not for the Jews and not for Nero. He's become a prisoner of Christ. Remember, the book of Acts details how he became imprisoned and he was actually imprisoned under false charges. They accused him of bringing a Gentile into the inner courts of the temple. That was false. He had not done that. And then he stood before successive leaders. He stood before, if you remember the book of Acts, I think Festus and uh, Felix and Agrippa. And remember, he made an appeal to Caesar. And because of that appeal that he made to Caesar, he was transferred to Rome and he was under house arrest at this time. And he writes Ephesians having been chained to a Roman guard. And that's where he gets the picture of the armor of God that we all know so well from Ephesians chapter 6. And so God uses his imprisonment. There's evidence in other passages in the Bible that they're reaching the the guard in the prison and even penetrating into Caesar's household with the gospel. And so God redeems the prison situation. And Paul's attitude, I think, is what's amazing. Paul does not write Ephesians from an ivory tower. He writes it from the trenches of life, even life that's unfair. Uh, Sunday, I talked about how we can do a lot of whining about inconsequential things. And some of our whining is legit. We got aches and pains. We got problems. Some of us have been through recent losses or we're going through difficulty. But, you know, imagine Paul. Uh, in this particular situation, and he says, look, the reason I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus is for what? It's for the sake of the Gentiles. Can you imagine a man in Philippians 3, it's detailed of Paul, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he was a purebred Jewish man, he was zealous for the law, when it came to the outward law, he was blameless, and what's he called to do? To be a preacher to Gentiles. I've been sharing with you recently what the Jewish view of Gentiles was in the Mishnah. It says Gentiles were only created to fuel the fires of hell. So what is Paul called to who was once Saul? Hey, I'm going to show you how much you must suffer and your main mission field is going to be Gentile people that you think all should go to hell. Where do I sign? That was the call. But Paul has embraced the call for his life because he realizes the great privilege that God has given to him. And he's about to break into prayer. See see verse 1 where it says, for this reason. If you skip down to verse 14, he'll repeat that. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul was about to break into prayer, but by obviously because all scripture is inspired by God, he digresses or goes into what some commentators call a parenthesis. And before he prays, he's going to go back and revisit the glory of the mystery that we've been talking about. And he's going to hold off his prayer until verse 14. And so we have somewhat of a parenthesis here as Paul says, 
he is in prison for the sake of the Gentiles. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael Lance would like to invite you to our next 633 event called On the Brink, A Warning to America. I can't think of anything more relevant and more that needs explanation and clarification and illumination than the topic of Marxism, socialism, and communism. The next 633 event will be August 22nd at 6.30 with guest pastor Christian Ionesco. He's a Chicago pastor who fled persecution in communist Romania and really became a religious refugee in America. Now he is saying that he is seeing signs in America, similar things that were happening in Romania as they were being prepped to really transfer over to communism. Learn more about this next 633 event on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And some of our whining is legit. We got aches and pains. We got problems Some of us have been through recent losses or we're going through difficulty. But, you know, imagine Paul uh, in this particular situation and he says, look, the reason I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus is for what? It's for the sake of the Gentiles. Can you imagine a man in Philippians 3, it's detailed of Paul. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a purebred Jewish man. He was zealous for the law. When it came to the outward law, he was blameless. And what's he called to do? To be... (laughs) a preacher to Gentiles. I've been sharing with you recently what the Jewish view of Gentiles was in the Mishnah. It says Gentiles were only created to fuel the fires of hell. (laughs) So what is Paul called to who was once Saul? Hey, I'm going to show you how much you must suffer and your main mission field is going to be Gentile people that you think all should go to hell. Where do I sign? That was the call. But Paul has embraced the call for his life because he realizes the great privilege that God has given to him. And he's about to break into prayer. See see verse 1 where it says, for this reason. If you skip down to verse 14, he'll repeat that. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul was about to break into prayer, but by obviously because all Scripture is inspired by God, he digresses or goes into what some commentators call a parenthesis. And before he prays, he's going to go back and revisit the glory of the mystery that we've been talking about. And he's going to hold off his prayer until verse 14. And so we have somewhat of a parenthesis here. As Paul says, he is in prison for the sake of of the Gentiles. If you skip ahead to Ephesians 6 and look at verse uh, 18, when we get there, I'm going to submit to you that the seventh piece of armor is actually prayer and that there are seven pieces of armor, the number of completion. This is Ephesians 6, verse 18. And Paul says, With all prayer and petition, 6.18, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Ephesians 6.19. And pray on my behalf, 
that utterance may be given to me. If you wonder what Paul asked for prayer for, here it is. That utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, uh, you think about people going on mission trips, you think about people entering into their workplace, and you might ask, how should I pray for you? We just prayed for Holly. We should be praying that people will have boldness to speak what they ought to speak. See, we ought to speak about the unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ. But we hesitate. Why? I ask myself that same question often. Why do I hesitate? Sometimes I feel awkward. Sometimes I'm, I don't feel prepared spiritually. Sometimes I'm just not ready to take the plunge, right? Sometimes I just want to not go there. You ever think that as a Christian? I know. I'm off the clock right now, man. I'm just getting a burrito, you know? I can't be an evangelist 24-7, right? But I'm, I'm constantly trying to challenge myself to think in ways of, how do I redeem this situation? If for nothing else... A gospel track. We had a couple ladies can't come here today. Uh, they were trying to sell us something, offer a service to us, and uh, so they gave us some literature. So we try to make it a practice that if we take your literature, you're going to take ours. So they walked out of here with a gospel tract. One girl said that she was attending church. Another girl said she hadn't been for some five years, and she was rather sheepish in the way that she said it, like like she knew. And we hesitate, you know. Ah. Uh, Sometimes it's almost as if we've convinced ourselves that some people don't need Christ. I think we do that. But the truth is that we all need him. And Paul was willing to put himself at risk for the sake of those to whom he would preach, the Gentiles. And he said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ compels me. Now that became one of my life verses right after I got saved God gave me a real zeal for evangelism and 2 Corinthians 5.14 became one of my life verses. The love of Christ compels me to speak. How could I be silent about something so wonderful? How could I be silent about the grace that I've received from Jesus Christ? And so I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy. Just go a little bit to your right. Paul's um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's talking to Timothy Timothy had a tendency to be a little bit fearful. At one point in the letters to Timothy, Paul says, take a little wine for your frequent stomach ailments. And there's some evidence that Timothy had a little what the Italians call agita. (laughs) That means he dealt with upset stomachs, maybe from stress and fear. Some of you may really resonate with that. Uh, Just upset stomachs all the time. And Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.24, the Lord's bondservant, that word bondservant is doulos, it means a voluntary slave, must not be quarrelsome. Many of you should mark that. (laughs) But be kind to all, able to teach. Don't worry, you're not alone. I marked it too. Patient when wronged. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, 2 Timothy 2.25, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth and that they may come to their senses, that speaks of returning to soberness and escape from the snare or the trap or the trick of the devil, 
having been held captive by him to do his will. You see, there are prisoners everywhere. And so we have to be patient with people as we reason with them from the scriptures. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3. See to it that no one takes you captive through a philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Many of you are familiar with the C28 store in the Tyler Mall that was started by a man named Aurelio Barreto. He owned that dog glue company. Remember that company? He made the little dog houses. They look like igloos. And he, he sold his business for millions and millions of dollars. And he was sitting on top of a gold mine. He lived in Yorba Linda. I know that because I played racquetball with his neighbor, his former neighbor, for 10 years. I haven't told Aurelio this personally, but that former neighbor told me that he was one of the most obnoxious men he had ever met. And then I shared with this uh, racquetball buddy of mine that Aurelio had become a Christian. And this was after they had had some squabbles as neighbors. And uh, Aurelio went to a a local uh, Porsche dealer, bought a Porsche Carrera, I think it was, um, one of those uh, ones with the top down, cherry red, paid a cash for like 135 grand, drove out of the dealership and was driving down the 91 freeway and said, he felt an overwhelming emptiness come over his soul as he was in that sports car. And some of us are sitting here tonight as Christians and say, I'd just like to try it once and see if the same emptiness comes over me. Anyway, <laughs> can you all feel what I'm saying? Anyway, so, but he was a non-Christian and the Lord was just gnawing at his heart and he was showing him even in five minutes after he bought this brand new Porsche, this beautiful car, it was emptiness. He was empty. He ended up becoming a Christian. And he shared his testimony in many places. You've been listening to The Mystery of the Church, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pastor Michael would like you to mark your calendar for August 22nd for our next 633 event. Now, more details to come, and we're super excited to let you know who our next guest speaker is going to be. But for now, just remember August 22nd. Our 633 apologetic events are free for you to attend, both in person and through our live stream. And we open the floor so you can ask questions too. So if you have not seen one of our 633 events, you can always watch previous ones on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Now you may have noticed that this uh, particular teaching in Ephesians, much of what we've aired on the radio in, you know, in the past couple of years has been very, um, let's call it recent teaching. This was actually preached in 2013. What was my hope for the church then? What is my hope for the church now? Well, the message and the hope hasn't changed much because my hope for the church is that we'd be active that we would be passionate, that we'd be preaching the gospel, that we'd be loving each other, that we'd be glorifying God. Those things really don't change. And the beautiful mystery of the church, once concealed, if you will, now revealed, is that the church is a mixture of people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. But the one thing that joins us together is Jesus Christ, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. God is our Father. We're a family. And so my prayer is that the church in this generation 
would catch fire and be about our Father's business. Now, speaking of the church on Sunday mornings, we have two services at the church that I get the privilege of serving as senior pastor among several pastors and a great staff and team. It's Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, a great congregation, very loving, very passionate, very warm. Two Sunday morning services, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., located at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Think of the armor of God. We're on Arsenal Way. Now, that's right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, right at Lincoln, if you're familiar with the area, and River. We're on the north end of Corona. We opened up a a new building here about five years ago, six years ago. And uh, if you want to know more, you want to join us for one of those Sunday morning services, the number is 844-48-TRUTH. You can get details or uh, maybe the easiest way, visit walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and you can find out all you need to know about this great church in the city of Corona. Hey, speaking of church, find your way to church this weekend, wherever you may be. God bless the fellowship of his people on the Lord's Day. And Lord willing, we'll see you right back here on Monday. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us on Monday for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, called The Mystery of the Church. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.